Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. I am so expectant for what God's going to do today. Are you? Oh man, guys, listen, listen. It doesn't matter who's in the room. God's going to meet with us today. Okay, you guys with me? And, and because you're in the room, and listen, God loves you, you're valuable, and our team, man, we love you. We are so grateful that we get to, to, to come together and do this. And so I just want to say thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be here. It's such an honor. So, so today, we're, we're, we're continuing in this uh, uh, series out of the book of 1 John. So every now and then, we'll take a book of the Bible and just walk through it together. So we're in this book for 13 weeks, and, and we go back and forth. We'll do like a topical series and, and, and deal with like specific conversations, and then we'll come back the other way and then walk through a book. And what this does is it just makes us wrestle with what's in there, okay? And so it's really easy to pick and choose what you want to talk about, to pick and choose what you want to avoid. And so every now and then, we just pick up a book and walk through it, and it teaches us to wrestle with the hard things, to be encouraged by the amazing things, and today's one of those, like, you get kind of both, and so I'm really excited about it because it deals with a little bit of, like, weird stuff as well as really, really helpful stuff, but before we get into it, I want to tell you about the author. The author is John, Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet while he was alive and walking the earth, John, who is now an old man pushing 80 to 100 years old. He's kind of like Grandpa John now, and he is writing to the early Christians and the early churches to give them instruction, to give them direction, um, and he's really the, the last living apostle at this time, and so he, he carries a ton of authority. He carries a ton of wisdom, and so constantly they're, they're writing to John. They're talking to John about the challenges. What do we do with this and that? And then today what we're looking at is he is now addressing an issue that's come up, a really like this, this um, let's just call it like counterfeit Christianity that has come up. And so, so I want you to think about like counterfeits. We, we live in a culture that loves counterfeits, right? Like anytime something new comes out, give it three weeks and there's an off-brand on Amazon, right? <laughs> right? Like, like we, we just live in the world of counterfeits. Like let's make it cheaper, let's make it accessible, let's put the logo on that purse even though it's not the same thing, but it looks like it and we're going to make it worth it. I mean, we have the world of counterfeits. What's the most familiar thing to you when it comes to counterfeits? What, where does your mind go? It's money, right? I mean, just like, that's, that's the one, if we can counterfeit it, that's the one we want to, no, 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 we don't want to do that. But, right, I was actually thinking about it, like, like so, so growing up, uh, when people asked me, hey, hey, what does your dad do for work? I would say, he makes money. And people would be like, okay, yes, but what does he do? I'm like, no, 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 he like, he like makes money. He works for the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. He like actually prints 20s, 50s, and 100s. He makes money money. And, and I, I remember like growing up and watching that. And I remember he'd bring home like the new 20 and the new 50 and the new 100. And like we get to see like the new one coming out, right? And they're always working to go against counterfeits. So it's like crazy intricate and you get these really cool like layers and now there's silk in it, right? I mean, you, you see all the new bills that are coming out and, and they're just crazy amazing trying to prevent or make it really, really difficult to counterfeit. You ever seen someone hold up 100 at, at the store in the light? You always wonder like, do they even know what they're doing? <laughs> Like, what are they looking for? Like, the word counterfeit in there? I don't know. Like, like I, I don't know. But I've seen people do it a lot. I'm like, I, I'm going to do it just because. 
Looks like a $100 bill to me. Um, so, so, you know, when it comes to counterfeits, you, you probably know this, and you might have heard it. I'm not sure where I heard it, but one of the best ways to identify a counterfeit is not to study all the counterfeits, right? One of the best ways to identify a counterfeit is to be so familiar with the real thing that you can spot it in an instant. That makes sense to you? And so people who, who work in that world, right, they study the real thing deeply. I mean, just soaking it in. And then when a counterfeit shows up, they can immediately recognize it. And so when it comes to following Jesus, and listen, I realize we have different people on different like, areas of their spiritual journey. Some of you are followers of Jesus. Some of you are, are on your spiritual journey and trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus and who he is to you. And some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. And some of you have been hurt by the church or disillusioned by the church. I mean, we have all kinds of different people who walk in here. And I realize, like, man, we want to meet you where you are. And it's probably not the same for you as it is for other people. But when it comes to, like, just what you think about Jesus and who he is to you, Man, today my, my encouragement is that, that rather than like trying to look at all the counterfeits, if you will, um, we, we just really need to get to know the real thing. Does that make sense to you? Like, like, and that's the invitation, is, is like, man, we're not, we're not, well, we're not going to go there. All right, let, let, me get, let me give you some, some thoughts here. Um, if, if I had $100 Monopoly money, and let's just say I owed you 100 bucks, Albert, and I walked over to you and I gave you my $100 Monopoly money, is that good enough? Right? I would say, well, it's close. It's got 100 on it, Albert. I mean, is it good enough, right? No, no, not good enough. And so what we're going to find today is John's like, hey, listen, there's some counterfeits, and they look different, but like almost is not good enough, <laughs> okay? Like you can believe in your Monopoly money all you want, but I want the real thing. And so John's going to take us down this road of warnings and then instructions, and we're going to get into that in just a second. Um, but let me give you this because I realize we're on different spiritual journeys sometimes when we dig into these conversations. And so when it comes to following Jesus, if you're taking notes, you might want to, like, write some of this down, because I think it's helpful. Today, we're going to do two things. We're going we're gonna to deal with orthodoxy and, and orthopraxy, okay? Orthodoxy is going to be, like, like, what you believe and why, and orthopraxy is going to be the practical application of what you do, how you live. And, and what we want to do is continually marry those two things together. Orthodoxy, void of orthopraxy, is people that believe something and don't live it. And, and most of the time, when, when we experience those kind of people, what happens? Either we get hurt, or we get frustrated, or they're judgmental, or they're frustrating, or, you, you know, there's all kinds of different things that happen when we disconnect what we know from how we live. And so today, we're going to look at that as John invites us into it, but I want to just give you some quick instructions because it matters. Uh, when it comes to following Jesus, when we're talking about counterfeits or what it actually means to follow Jesus, uh, um, there, are, there are primary issues that we're going to call close-handed issues, and there are secondary issues that we're going to call open-handed issues. And this is really important for you, again, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, just to understand how it works. There are, there are some things when it comes to following Jesus that are primary close-handed issues. And so you can look at the Christian faith, and there's a lot of varieties, right? It's like Baskin-Robbins out there, right, when it comes to different churches, right? And so we're all about the capital C church. Like, man, we love the church. We pray for other churches in Boulder. We partner with them. We serve our city together. Man, if, if a church is for Jesus and, and they're teaching the Bible and preaching Jesus, I mean, we are for them, even if their flavor of music is different and they do things different and they have different secondary issues that are different, that's fine. We're for them because God's family is really, really big and there is variety, but there's still unity because there are some close-handed primary issues that, that kind of collectively make up the, the Christian faith. And then there are secondary issues that that we, we would say those are not hills that we die on, okay? And so, like, if you go through growth track, by the way, if you're a guest with us, 
Is that me rattling? You guys hearing this? I'm like, there's this, like, shh, okay, that's good. It's just in my ears. Um, so, so <laughs> there's like white noise in my, in my, in my head going on. Um, so, so right after service, we have our growth track. Uh, we have a few people signed up for it, but if you didn't sign up and you're interested, listen, genuinely, it's 30 minutes of your time. We already bought you lunch. It's going to be really quick right after service in our community room, and it's a great way to sit and ask a few questions, hear about the mission, vision, values of City Church and where we're going and how to get plugged in. And so I just want to encourage you, man, even if you didn't sign up, you are welcome to join. So think about that right now. Um, by the way, it doesn't sign you up for anything, okay? Like literally, you can go and check it out and then never come back. And I'm going to cry on the inside a little bit, but that's it, okay? Um, all right, let's go back to open-handed and close-handed issues, okay? So there, there are not a lot of hills that will die on here at City Church, but there are a few, like Jesus being God and that he died for the sin of the world, and that through faith in Jesus we have eternal life, right? There, there's some things that we will die on, but preference of Bible translation, and style of music, and what you should wear to church, right? Clothes <laughs> is about all we require, okay? Clothes. Um, you just can't come naked. That's really it, okay? Um, I'm all over the place today, but, but I'm having fun. Okay. Um, anyway, my point is this, okay? John's going to deal with the primary issues today. They're, they're close-handed. I mean, they're not optional. You walk away from these, and you walk away from following Jesus. Okay, like, like, like so, so that's what John's dealing with. He's dealing with people walking away from what it means to follow the real Jesus. He's not dealing with secondary issues. Can I just speak really, really quickly? Some of you, if you've been around church even for a minute, you have been around churches who have, who have made, and John's not going to speak to this, but I felt like God wanted me to, who have made secondary issues primary issues. And listen, I love the church, um, but it's made it imperfect people, and we don't always get it right, and, and, and including myself. And so you're not being invited into a, a perfect family here. You're just being invited into a transparent one, a humble one. And, and sometimes people get hurt because, because we'll take a, a, a secondary issue that you really believe in, right? Personal conviction, which you're welcome to. But when you make your preferences a principle and God didn't, that's when people get hurt. And so some of you have been around people, followers of Jesus, people who call themselves Christians and they're angry and they're judgmental and they say, you fit in this box, you believe like I do or you're not welcome. And that is not the heart of God to elevate secondary issues to primary. Does that make sense? There, is, there can be unity in diversity. One of our values is that you don't have to believe to belong. That doesn't mean that, that we abandon what it means to believe in Jesus or that we're willing to say that, that there's anything other than Jesus. It just means that you're absolutely welcome and that genuinely belonging could lead to believing, but even if it doesn't, you're still welcome here. Does that make sense to you? And so listen, if you've been hurt by the church, first of all, I just like them to extend an apology. Not, not, not because I, I think I can speak for them, because I think I, I can speak for the heart of God. And let me just say this. Don't let the imperfections of the church, which she has many, and you're looking at one of them, keep you from the perfect love of God, okay? Don't let the imperfections of the church keep you from the perfect love of God. But hear me. The church is not our Savior. City Church won't save you. That's only Jesus. He, he's in a category unto himself. The church is not our savior, but the church is still God's family. So we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Does that make sense to you guys? Right, this is that line we walk all the time. It's like, man, how do we live life with imperfect people? 
One of our values is consistent transparency. What that means is I love you enough to fight for this relationship because Jesus said that the world will know that we're his followers not by what we believe, not by what we know cognitively, not by our orthodoxy alone, but our orthopraxy, how we love one another. And guess what? You and I can't do that in isolation, can we? So we need the church. Okay, soapbox time. All right, you guys ready? That was just a little bit because that's going to set up some of the primary issues we're going to talk about here in just a second. Okay, you guys ready for like some Scooby-Doo stuff? Right, okay, check it out. Verse 18. This is awesome. This is why we walk through the Bible like this because I would never in a million years take these verses and preach them to you on a Sunday if we weren't doing this, okay? Because it's so weird. Children, it's the last hour. <laughs> okay, here we go, Scooby-Doo. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Ah! Okay, you guys with me? Already. I mean, right out the box, we are already like neck deep. <laughs> and stuff that I don't want to talk about, but it's actually way easier than it looks. So, we're, hey, we're in the last hour, as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, and he's talking about false teachers, okay, this, this, this new group of people who are rejecting Jesus as God. They went out, they, they being these, these new teachers, these, these uh, uh, counterfeit Christians, okay? They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. He's just logically following a thought here. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. So pause there for just a second, okay? A couple of things really fast I'm just going to give you. Again, wouldn't normally deal with this, but uh, uh, two things. First of all, the last hour, last days. How many of you guys just have seen the weird people and the weird billboards and the world is ending and the last hour, you know, end days, end times, all kinds of stuff, right? You know, I remember um, it, maybe a decade ago, I mean, it was like the, I don't remember why it was going on, which one was it, but it was like the last hour. I, this billboard's going up everywhere. It's the end of the world. Jesus is coming back. And then that date rolled around and awkwardly nothing happened. You guys remember that? Anybody was, okay, I, I remember it. I'm like, hmm, that, that's embarrassing, <laughs> right? Why? Because, listen, listen, listen. The last hour, I want you to understand that God thinks in, in mo- not, you and I think like linear, like time, hours, minutes, days, months, years, right? We think like that. God thinks more like in, in epics, like, like periods of time, okay? And so when you study scripture and when you dig into like, like kind of the, the plan and the language of the, of the Bible, you and I have been so Hollywooded out that we have such a hard time with not making things like this weird. But it's not weird, it's just the language they're using, okay? So like we have events in history that, that, that God kind of focuses on. So there's like creation, and then there's the fall where sin enters the world, and then there's like Jesus, his, his birth, his, his death on the cross for the, he, uh, the sins of the world, and his burial and his resurrection, right? Like there's these periods of time. So like from the fall until Jesus, there's this big waiting period in the Bible, right? This entire period that spans just a huge amount of time, and God's not got a, a clock counting down, right? It's just referred to as a period of time. And then there's Jesus. He dies. He, he rises from the grave, proving he was who he said he was. He could do what he said he's going to do. And now we're in this last days, if you will, but what that's speaking to is the period of time between the resurrection and ascension of Jesus and him coming back. It's a period of time, an epic, E-P-O-C-H, right? You guys with me? And, and there is no calendar <laughs> People speculate all the time. It's just, just throw it out, man. Listen, we're not on the planning committee. We're on the welcoming committee, right? Jesus is coming back. I'm blowing up balloons, right? Like, woo! Welcome back, Jesus, right? I mean, it's going to be an awesome day. It's going to be a great day. It's amazing when Jesus comes back. He is coming back, but we don't know when. We're not a part of that planning, okay? So he's just saying we're in the last hour. You guys with me in this, okay? But there is no time period for this. So Jesus could come back tomorrow, or he can, uh-oh, did we lose me? Uh, did you guys? Check. My pack by? Check, 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 check. 
You guys got me? Hey, there we are. All right. So, so Jesus is coming back, uh, um, but we don't, we're not on the planning committee, okay? We're on the welcome committee. So the point is this. Uh, um, it's a period of time, and Jesus has given us some things to put our hands and our hearts to, and that's what John is about. You guys with me? Okay, so not as scooby-doo as it sounds. Second thing, Antichrist. Ooh. Okay, that one's weird. Okay, but let me break it down. Like, like actually, let, let's look at the word. Antichrist. What, what, what are we talking about? Against Jesus, okay? Like, like not as complicated as it sounds. Um, he's talking about the Antichrist, which is literally, let, let, let me give it to you this way. Um, it is anything and everything, both, both peoples and ideologies, against Jesus. So, so you, you and I have Hollywood versions of really weird things in movies and horror movies and all these weird ideas, okay? And there's a lot of really confusing, like, poetic language in the, in the scriptures that, that just allow our minds to go in places that, that John's not speaking to. So there are people actively right now, as John's writing, who are functioning as in the spirit of the Antichrist, meaning they are anti-Jesus. Does this make sense to you, right? It's not Scooby-Doo. Okay, just like get out of that and come back over here and say, okay, it's just anti-Jesus. And, and this is really important because Christianity is not rooted in a place, it's rooted in a person. It's about Jesus. So it's not anti-church or, or even anti-values, although it can get there. It's anti-Jesus. It's about him. And, and, and let me just give, give you this because the, the goal of the Antichrist is to push Jesus out of his, his proper place in your life. Okay, that, that's the whole point. Um, either to keep him out of the proper place in your life if you're not a follower of Jesus, or to push him out. So, a as a Jesus follower, if you're a Jesus follower today, um, Jesus is not meant to be at the top of your priority list. Sometimes we get this wrong, right? You and I have a very, like, structured Western thinking, and so we have, like, grades that we put in, in categories and boxes, but, but Jesus is not, like, a priority on my list. It's not like I have my God time and then my other stuff that I do. Jesus was never meant to be at the top of my priority list. He's meant to be at the center of my life. Does this make sense to you? Okay, the center versus a priority means that he is influencer over everything versus a category in my life. So with Jesus at the center, there's a song, old school song, Jesus at the center of it all. Okay, good song. Um, there's a song that speaks to Jesus being at the center. And so it's not like Jesus and then my marriage and my job and my work and my play, right? It's Jesus touches every category of my life. He's the center. That's what it means to follow Jesus. The Antichrist is looking to push Jesus out of the center. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay, so specifically in John's case, they're actually saying, hey, Jesus is not God. Sin is not a problem. You don't need to put your faith in Jesus. There's no need to, to, to be saved and set free. Like, like they're just, it's anti-Jesus. You guys with me on this? Okay, let me, let me show you the next verse. I'm gonna skip to, uh, I think, 21, because uh, he, he, 22, thank you. Um, and, then I'll, and I'll go backwards, just because he has like multiple thoughts on the same conversation. He says, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Okay, he's very pointedly saying what these counterfeit Christians are talking about. Who, who is that liar? What, what, what is the lie that they're talking about? Denying that Jesus is the Christ. This, he tells us, is the Antichrist, the spirit working against Jesus. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So, let me just give you a really quick summary on, on what's going on here. Um, he, he's asking the question, who is Jesus? 
and, and specifically to you. Like, like there's this debate going on of who is Jesus. And you need to understand, right? I mean, Jesus even said it. He looked at the religious leaders of the day who would eventually crucify him, and he said, you guys don't get it. That entire Bible that you know so well is all about me. It's about me. And so what, what John is saying is, is there's no way to God apart from Jesus. This is what separates Christianity from every other world religion, okay? There's some people who say, oh, listen, listen, we worship the same God, but we, we just simply disagree about Jesus. And John would say, wrong, impossible. They are antithetical. They don't work together. Jesus is either completely who he said he was or he's not. There is no middle ground. You guys with me? And John is pushing against this false theology that we need to wrestle with ourselves. And so you and I live in a, in a pluralistic society, in a pluralistic culture that says, you know, okay, there's a higher power, but, but you know, we can disagree on Jesus. And, and we can disagree on Jesus. By the way, listen, you can disagree with someone and still be friends. You guys know that, right? You can disagree with someone and still love them and serve them well. You don't have to be words that I'm not allowed to say at church <laughs> to other people. You can disagree, but you cannot agree that they're the same thing as a follower of Jesus, right? Jesus, John would say, is not just a good man, which he is, but he's the God man. So question for you, who is Jesus to you? Is he God? Did he die for your sins? Are your sins a problem? Can he reconcile you to God? Can he forgive you, save you, set you free, adopt you into the family of God, give you new life and power to live now and forever with him? Who is Jesus? So the first thing John's getting at, let me give you a big idea is that we are Jesus people, right? He's just bringing the church, hey, don't forget, guys. Again, don't, 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 don't worry about the counterfeits. Don't study the counterfeits. Study the real thing. We are Jesus people. And so what that means is that we center our lives on him and his teachings, and we follow him. And we don't just make him a priority. He's at the center. He's Lord. He calls the shots. Some of us, we want to give Jesus a, a room in our house, Right? Like, hey, Jesus, welcome in. Here's your room. It's already Airbnb style for you. Right? And Jesus is like, I don't want a room. I want the keys. Right? <laughs> let, let, let me do, do the interior decorating. <laughs> you guys with me? Right? Jesus wants ownership. And he deserves ownership. Now, now, this is where our head, heart, and hands need to, need to intersect. I told you earlier, orthodoxy and orthopraxy need to be married. Right? And so, so if we have right belief without right action, that's when we start to get into trouble. And so this is where the church is so very important. Not, not, not I came and sat. The church as a body, the church as community, the church as family. And so we are Jesus' people, but John is going to say 40 times in this letter, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another. And you and I cannot do that in isolation. You, you know that. And he's not talking about loving the people in your household only or the people that you like. He's talking about a sacrificial love that loves people that you might or might not get along with on the front end. He's talking about a holistic love that points to the incredible sacrificial love of God. So here's the point. If we are Jesus people, it also means that we are Jesus's people people. You guys with me? This makes sense to you? If you're a Jesus people, you by default have to be a Jesus's people people. Now listen, this does not mean that everybody has to be your best friend. It doesn't mean um, a lot of things that your, your brain can go to. But what it does mean is that we value the church. We recognize our place in the church. We recognize our calling as a part of this community. We are Jesus' people. We're part of his family. And his family has a mission. And we're on this together. 
So when we have, you know, uh, drive-in movies and when we serve our community through a block party, we go serve at the homeless shelter, right? It's, it's not City Church's brand being there to represent that thing. It's the people of City Church representing Jesus there. I, I don't need you to come and watch a movie. I need you to come and make a friend. Does that make sense? That's the role of our family. Okay, let's go on. Verse 20. But you... John's just encouraging us. You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge, right? Th- these false teachers are claiming that you don't know. Like, there's these gurus. Oh, man, we have special revelation from God. We know secret stuff, and so you need to follow us in order to get in the know on God's new revelation. And, and John says, no, no, no. You've been anointed. Th- th- that word, it represents like pouring oil on. It's like covering You've been anointed by the Holy One. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. When you trust in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit of God fully dwelling inside of you. Jesus would use the the language of making our heart his home. He's saying you've been anointed by the Holy One. You have all the knowledge that you need. Meaning you have access to everything that you need. If, If God is the power source, then when you put your faith in Jesus, it's like you plug that house into the power source, right? You ever been in a house without power? Right? I mean, it's fine, but nothing works, <laughs> right? But how many of you know that, that not only do you need to have access uh, to power in your house, but then also you have to use that power, right? You still got to go turn on light switches and plug stuff in and all that, right? You guys with me? Having access to power and using power is different. He's saying you have access through Jesus to the power that you need to live the life that he's called you to, but you got to make sure that you're plugging in, turning it on. Does this make sense? He says, I write to you not because you don't know the truth, so I'm not, I'm not worried about you focusing on Jesus, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. I'm just reminding you of what you already know. Stay close to Jesus. So here's what that means. Because we are Jesus people, because we are Jesus people, we are also Holy Spirit people. We are Holy Spirit people. What that means is that we trust that God gave us a gift, the Spirit of God living inside of us to help us live the life that he has called us to. This is so important. Because as we are Jesus people, he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us follow him. Let me ask you a question. Like, like do you ever feel inadequate? Like, 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 you know, especially when it comes to following Jesus, like, like your spiritual life is just sucking and your prayer life sucks and your living on mission life sucks. Like, you're just not doing a great job at this following Jesus thing. And then, wh- where does your mind go? When you feel like you need some help, where do you go? Right? A lot of us, we have external ideas of like, oh, I need to go get help over here. And he's like, you got all the help you need right there, right in front of you. Right? You have all the power that you need. You just need to turn it on, plug it in. And it's not, listen, God doesn't have favorites. God doesn't like say, okay, this kid gets special gifts, this kid gets special power, and these kids all need to hang out with them because he's going to tell them everything that God wants to tell them. God doesn't play favorites. He speaks directly to you through his word. And this is important. Listen, the Holy Spirit God uses, we love the Holy Spirit here at City Church. We pray and ask God to show up. We expect his presence and power to move in our lives. We expect to hear from him. We expect to obey as a result. We expect for him to show up in community, in our city groups, as we serve. We expect to listen and receive direction where we live, work, and play. All of that because of God working in and through us. But we've got to position ourselves to be ready for it. And so, so listen, God is going to teach you. He's going to give you that knowledge. He's going to help you grow. He's going to help you follow him in a couple of different ways through the Holy Spirit. The first way is through the Bible. Okay, we love the Bible here at City Church. We love the Bible. Even when it's confusing, even when it's challenging, we dig into it. All of our city groups, and we're right now, we're reading through the book of Luke. And man, can I just encourage you? Empower yourself. Turn the lights on. Plug it in. Pick up the Bible and just start reading it with us because the Holy Spirit is going to use the Bible, God's word, to speak to you. 
He uses the, the, let's call it the eternal word, the timeless word of God. But then he also uses the external realm of, of teachers, okay? And this, is, this can be both personal, formal, informal. So, so I, for example, listen, I love to teach. I, I love to teach you. It's an honor. I, I don't take it lightly at all. I pray a ton. I study a ton. I do a ton of work to get ready for this because I love you and I want to invest in you well. But he also uses informal uh, people in our lives, right, to speak to us. So he uses the Bible. He uses teachers. And he also just speaks to you, internal conviction. So I'm just trying to equip you, okay? What does it mean to follow Jesus, man? Pay attention to the word of God, the external influences, and what he's doing internally. Listen, I love to teach you, but the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you. So what do we do? Uh, Daniel, come on. Um, as Daniel comes up, I, let me ask you this question. What do we do? Because, because, okay, he's warning us. Look out, there's an antichrist, like, you know, hide your kids, hide your wife, you know. There's like that thing going on. And, and you gotta ask the question, right? Like, do we live in fear? It's the last times, it's the last hour. Oh no, like, like do we hide? Do we get conservative? Do we, do we you know, put on foil hats and, and all that stuff, right? Do, do we do all of that? Or, or, or do we do the other way? Oh, I mean, the Antichrist, it's the end day, so we need to get aggressive, and we need to be rude, and we need to be mean, and we need to just go hold picket signs, right? I mean, right, those are the things that you see people do as a result of like these two extremes, right? You just hide out, remove yourself completely from the world, or you just are a total weirdo. And I don't want you to be either of those things. He tells us what to do. Let me show you. This is amazing. Let what you've heard from the beginning abide. That word abide, it's similar to where we get the word abode. It means like to, to, to rest in, to sit in, to live He said, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, in the beginning of you, whatever you first heard about Jesus, for some of you hearing about Jesus for the first time, he says, then you too will abide in the Son of the Father. This is a relational equity time. What do we do? Don't get critical. Don't get weird. And this is the promise eternal life. Not just then, right now. I write this thing to you about those who are trying to deceive you.
Listen, I need you to know there's an enemy that's against your soul. He's against your friends, your family, your coworkers, and he's actively doing everything he can from keep, to keep this from taking root. No matter how many times it lands there. But he says, Other, others of us, we have different kinds of soil in our hearts. Some of us, he says, man, that root, man, you heard about Jesus for the first time, and you just got on fire. I mean, it takes root, and, and it springs up really fast, and the sunshine hits it, and it's exciting. But how many of you guys know when something takes root in, in some shallow soil, when the sun comes out, especially in Colorado, right, just burns that thing up, right? He says, man, some of us, we get really excited about Jesus on the front end, but when the life gets hard, he says, we bail. We walk away. We shut it down. He says, some of us, man, that, that it, it takes root. It gets into the soil of your heart. And then you want to follow Jesus. You love Jesus. But then he says that, that, that the thorns and, and the weeds, they start to choke out that good seed, the, the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. And he says that that's the cares of the world, and that's finances, and that's jobs, and that's success, and that's relationships. And it's all the things that we start to think about. Jesus gets bumped back into a priority list, and he's not the center anymore. But he says, but there's some soil where it's good seed. It's fertile soil, and it takes a deep root when it hits. And he says that starts to produce 30, 50, 100-fold, which agriculturally speaking does not make any sense to have that kind of return. We're talking about spiritual results and spiritual fruit in your life that you can't even explain. Here's what I love about this story. Jesus tells us this story to illustrate how the good news lands. But what he leaves open-ended is what kind of soil you choose to be. So, and listen, my only word for you today is you choose. You choose. It's not predetermined. It's not predisposed. You don't just wake up born with, you know, X, Y, or Z heart. You choose. We choose to abide. This does not happen on accident. And so you know what, let, let, me, let me do this. Um, let me get my communion real fast, okay? We gotta get hungry for this. 
You say, man, I want that. I want that relationship with God. I want that fruit in my life. And you got to ask the question, well, like, what if I don't want it? Or like, what if I kind of want it, but I get distracted? Or what if I, like, sometimes, like, how do I, how do I get there? How do I want it like that? Here's how you want it. Because on the cross, Jesus is giving his life. And he breaks the bread to demonstrate that he's going to sacrifice for you and me. He's going to break his body. His blood is going to be shed for us and for you. And on the cross, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, giving his life in my place and in your place to, to restore us back into relationship with God, to forgive us of sin and make us right. You know what Jesus is screaming on the cross? He's saying, I want you. And the first time that hit me, at 15 years old, I, I didn't know that Jesus loved me, but man, I, I heard it for the first time. I want you. And you know what? Every time I remember that kind of love for me, I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, I didn't perform for it, I didn't have to you know, get into a certain disposition of heart in order to, I just received this incredible gift into the soil of my heart. And he changed everything. And when I go back to that space, you know what I want? I want it. I need it. Be good soil. Choose to be good soil. Plug it in. Groups, the Bible, prayer, accountability, community, serving others, weekend teams, in the community, at your workplace, in your neighborhood. Plug it in. Be good soil and watch what God does in and through you. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for your love for us. Thanks for your word that teaches us and changes us. Thanks for your sacrifice. This good news that gets planted in our hearts. We don't fight for it. We just receive it. And so right now, God, I pray for my friends in the room, maybe for the first time ever, they're hearing about the good news. It's landing in their hearts, and they're going to make a decision to let it sink deep. To say, Jesus, I believe in you, that you love me, you died for me, you rose again so that I could be saved and set free. Jesus, I want you. Because you wanted me. For my friends in the room praying that for the first time, I want you to have confidence today. You give your life to Jesus in your heart and mind right now. He promises to save and set you free, adopt you into the family of God. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, man, our, our hearts, the, the, our soul, the soil of our soul, it shifts. Sometimes we're, we're, man, we're good soil and sometimes we are so distracted where life gets hard and we just get burnt out. And I pray right now that you would do a renewing in our hearts. Would you turn over some good soil in our hearts? Would we choose today to abide? And that wouldn't be void of action, that we would discipline and create space to be with you, to hear from you, and that we would have the disposition to love you, to hear and obey. We'd let it show up in our hands and our words and our actions. Jesus, we need you. And we know that in and through that, you want to work in our lives make a difference in the city and the world. So God, help us to choose today. Amen. As uh, Daniel leads us and the band leads us in this next song, um, you're going to be invited to come and take communion. I've got Seth and uh, 
Maddie over here. Um, you're going to come and pick up uh, the bread. We have gluten-free options available. You're going to dip it in the wine as you're comfortable. Um, you'll take it back to your seat. And, and when you do that, Seth and Maddie will, will be saying, it might be a little loud, but they're going to say, his body broken for you and his blood shed for you. This is a moment that we just remember the sacrifice of Jesus. I want you. It would cause us to reflect and to stir. And guys, would you take a moment right now as you, as you receive communion, if you're followers of Jesus, to ask the question, where's the soil of my heart? What's it going to look like? What steps today do you need to take to be good soil? Listen, if we can pray for you, if we can help you use that connection card, can I encourage you? If you want, come grab some seed out of this bucket. Right? Grab a seed. Tape it to your Bible. Tape it to your dash. Make a necklace out of it. I don't care, right? Put the seed somewhere as a reminder for you to be good soul. I'm telling you, Boulder will never be the same when you and I choose to be good soul. You stand with me?